you get your podcast. Caitlin Clark and the third-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes are back in the spotlight tonight. They take a 12-game win streak to Purdue, looking to get to 5-0 and in the Big Ten. The Bears are sticking with Matt Eberflus as their head coach, but are making changes to his staff as offensive coordinator Luke Getze has been let go. Game-time temperatures in the single digits are being forecast for the Chiefs-Dolphins playoff game in KC Saturday night. DraftKings line has the Chiefs favored by 4.5. I'm Doug Thompson. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studio, with amazing slow-smoked wings and world famous baby back ribs this is des moines sports station 106.3 kxno back with the hour number two miller and condon on 106.3 kxno minus the miller plus the condon here ken on his way back from california we'll check in with ken again tomorrow as he continues the long drive home, Albuquerque as his destination here for today, and then making the long one to Oklahoma before he gets back, and he'll get back just in time for some snow coming in on Friday when he gets back to town. Speaking of snow, yesterday Adam Emenecker, he was battling, and he joins us here today. Adam, good to catch up with you. How good's that snowblower you got? You know, Trent, uh, I was having some issues, as I'm assuming everybody else was. You go beginning of the week, you know there's a snowstorm coming. I go to fire my snowblower up. It doesn't work right away. Mm. So I'm running around trying to, before the snow comes, trying to find a spark plug and do all that kind of stuff and play quasi-pretend mechanic for a few minutes. And fortunately, I got that thing fired up and Good gracious. We got dumped on, and it sounds like we're going to get dumped on again here by the end of the week. Well, we know you're an incredibly intelligent guy. I didn't also know you're a handyman. You're changing spark plugs going on, man. You're a sharp one. <laughs> Listen, uh, there is nothing like uh, a little bit of scarcity that breeds innovation, right? So <laughs> rather than blow out my back from uh, having to shovel all that snow, I had to figure it out. And you know, sometimes you don't, sometimes you do, but uh, I'm going to I'm gonna chalk that up as a short-term win. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, we got a big one tonight in the Missouri Valley Conference. Drake welcomes in Indiana State. The Bulldogs took their first loss of conference play over the weekend. It's certainly a, a frustrating loss, the way that one played out. And now, I mean, a huge opportunity in front of them with Indiana State coming in, the Sycamore sitting as the only undefeated team left in MVC play. At four and zero, there's there's no such thing in early January as a must win game, but incredibly important in this race here and knowing how well Indiana State is getting this game at home feels like if there's going to be another regular season crown, this is definitely one you got to put in the win column. Yeah, maybe not a must win, but definitely a statement game, right? And and I think the other uh, I think the other element of this one, like if you're Indiana State and you're, you're in a good spot, right? We, we've talked about them a little bit about just where they sit, top 30 in the net, sitting at 13 and 2 overall. And they're actually the number one effective field goal percentage team in the country. They are one of the most efficient offenses and one of the top three point shooting teams uh, in the country. But if you're Indiana State coming to Des Moines, this is an opportunity for a quad one road win that can bolster their chances. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about not only the Missouri Valley, but also a potential at-large in the NCAA tournament. And and as you mentioned for Drake, like why is this a statement game? Well, coming off that Belmont loss where they kind of let Belmont, Drake kind of let Belmont get loose from three. Belmont knocked down 12 in that game, 12 out of 22, so shot a good percentage. I think for Drake to come back from the loss, which they've done so well in the Darren DeVries era, come back from the loss and show that the hottest team in the conference 
is someone they can be. You know, we always talk about in the, in the Valley, you got to defend your home turf. That's why this is a statement game from Drake. Overcoming the loss, taking the hottest team in the conference and showing uh, the reason, ultimately, why Drake was the preseason favorite. Indiana State, you mentioned uh, what they are efficiency-wise, one of the top teams in the country, fourth in the country right now in, in three-point shooting at 41.4%. Now, they lose McCauley from a year ago, and you wonder, boy, is there going to be a step back here? Avia, he is so good around the rim, just such a heady player there. What is it that Josh Schertz does, a guy that was a D2 coach for a number of years? Why is his team so good offensively? You know, they run un, they run unstructured, unpredictable patterns. And, and so he runs a lot of motion. It's not a lot of just general sets. As a coach, it's easy to prepare for structured sets because you can tell a guy, he's either, you're going to tell your defender someone's either going to go from A or to B. They're going to go one direction or the other. What I think with what you see out of the unpredictability of Indiana State, so not only do they have guys that can knock down shots, right? They have four or five guys that are shooting over 40% from three. And Isaiah Swope, the transfer, the Southern Indiana transfer, their leading scorer, is one of the top guys in the country knocking down threes. Tops in the conference by over a three a game. So he's getting an extra three points every game knocking down threes more than anyone else in the NBC. But I think what really separates this group is how they facilitate. So you mentioned Robbie Avila. Not only is he 6'10 and can he score around the rim, he can knock down threes. He's also their leading assist guy. So Avila's averaging 4.2 assists per game, and they have Xavier Bledson, who kind of plays like their backup five at about 6'6", a wide body. He is third on the team in assists per game. So two of their leading assist guys are people that generally play in the post but also play on the perimeter. What that does is it inverts your defense, right? So your bigs have to step out and guard on the perimeter, and it makes what you're traditionally taught defensively, you just kind of have to mix up those defensive principles. So you have the bigs that can facilitate, combine that with the unpredictability of the motion offense and the pace that this group plays with. They just are a very, very difficult guard. Back to the weekend on Sunday, Drake gets blown out by Belmont. You know, when I look at NBA box scores, it's very simple. You just look at three-point shooting right away, and that usually tells the story of the way it was. Was it as simple as that in the game against Belmont? Drake, 5-23 from downtown. Belmont, 12-22. So, in, in short, I mean, that, that has a big factor, right? So three-point shooting, the variance matters, especially when one team shoots it really well like Belmont did. I think the other two numbers that stand out, the way you overcome a team that's better from the three-point line, one Maybe you get to the free throw line more. Well, Belmont basically doubled up Drake's ability to get to the free throw line and, and converted at a higher efficiency. So Drake was 8 of 13 from the free throw line, Belmont 19 of 24. So you make more threes, you make more free throws. And then the other thing, this Drake team this year, one of the things that is just, you know, almost taken for granted, they're not only one of the lowest turnover teams in the country, they're one of the best assist to turnover teams in the country against Belmont. 15 turnovers and only 13 assists. So a negative assist to turnover ratio, normally those turnovers are closer to the 9 or 10 range. So you have 50% more turnovers uh, than normal games, and you shoot a lower percentage from three. That is a big part of the reason that Belmont just kind of blew Drake out of the building. 
Another blowout over the weekend as you and I got blown out. And the Panthers, they were one of the picks coming into the season, thought they were going to be there. They got Indiana State at home, but it was once again just one of those games where the Sycamores were able to put it together. When you've watched you and I, when you've seen the Panthers play this year, what's been the issue? Why have they not been at the level many people anticipated they were going to be coming into the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a combination of things. So the, for Northern Iowa, they're pretty guard-heavy, and they have a lot of returners. And I, I think still trying to figure out the right rotation of who goes first, who goes second, who comes for third kind of thing, right? So what we know about the Panthers when you watch them, Titan Anderson is their most important player. The strength, the versatility, the ability to score inside, his rebounding at that four position is so, so important, and his athleticism, candidly, just to give some extra punch but when you think about Bowen Bourne and Nate Heisey and Trey Campbell, uh, Michael Duax, Landon Wolf, all those guys we've seen be super, super successful at times. But the rotation of how they all fit together is just it, one guy pops, but then everybody else kind of steps, takes a step back. Now, early in the year, it was Nate Heisey was playing really well. Well, he's kind of taking a step back. Now, Bowen Bourne is shooting the ball a lot better and scoring it with a, with a higher level of efficiency. And so I, I think it is just – Part of what we're seeing is the Panthers has, haven't settled into what is their identity as a team. And they continue to stay competitive. This is a really difficult team to blow out. Indiana State got up early, but still had a tough time pulling away from Northern Iowa. I think it was 20 at half, but it ended at maybe 10 or 11. Uh, so I, I think Northern Iowa is going to win some games. But, you know, based on the way Indiana State's playing, to be honest, a 10-point loss isn't exactly a slap in the face. Indiana State's doing it to everybody. All their games in the Valley have been blowouts thus far. So we look at the MVC standings, a, ch- a chance for Drake to get back in the top spot with Indiana State. And there's Southern Illinois, Belmont, and Murray State. Two newbies in there, and then Southern, a program that you had lots of battles with. And, well, their head yep. coach, Brian Mullins. You guys uh, checked them each other a time or two on the hardwood, right? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Brian Mullins was the face I wanted to see the absolute least across from me. I think he was maybe two-time player of the year in the conference, and that's exactly the way the, way the Salukis play now. Physical brand. Of those two newbies that are in there, with uh, what you saw, Belmont, what they did to Drake and Murray State, of those two, who has the best chance to be up there competing for the regular season crown? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's definitely Belmont. There's a couple of reasons for that. But real quick on Murray State. So Murray State, coached by Steve Prome, a familiar face for a lot of uh, a lot of local fans, was at Iowa State for a few years. I think Murray State overall, they've kind of struggled. They're six and nine in totality on the year. They've just done really well in conference. I think they're probably going to end up middle of the pack, maybe lower half of the conference. When I look when I look at Belmont, what's different about them is. Similar to Indiana State, Belmont just has such a good – not only are they well-coached by Casey Alexander, but offensively they've just been so dangerous year after year after year. So you got a guy like Cade Tyson, who was preseason first-team all-league. He's a sophomore. He's kind of built in almost a Tucker DeVries-esque mold. Uh, but it's Malik Dia who's been the difference for them the last couple of games. The Vanderbilt transfer is coming off a game against Drake. If, if you watch that one, he had 32-7. and seven and knocked down five of eight from three. And then earlier in the week against Southern Illinois, had 25 and seven. So he's gotten more comfortable in his role uh, with Belmont. And that two-headed monster, plus Jacoby Gillespie, a guy that's a sophomore that's gotten a heck of a lot better, they have the experience, they have the horses, and offensively they can be really tough to stop. 
if one of those two teams is going to be in the top two or three in the league at the end, I think it's going to be Belmont. Should be a fun one and a fun race here in the MVC. Our conversations with Adam Emenecker. And you're on the call tonight, right? Yes. Yep. I'll be there, me and Brad Wells. This should be, uh, hey Bill, you know, I, I would second. expect there'll be some people tuning in across the country to watch this game. No doubt about it. Adam Emnecker joining us here weekly on the MVC. Adam, appreciate the time. As always, we'll talk to you again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Trent. That's Adam Emnecker. Brought to you by G-Migs Fifth Street Pub. Great daily specials for both lunch and dinner. They have great soups. Their State Fair Wraps Pasta and their all-world prime rib on Friday nights. Located at 128 Fifth Street in Historic Valley Junction. Come enjoy Fifth G-Migs Fifth Street Pub. Great stop. Great place for lunch, dinner, or just some drinks. Guys do a great job over there and excited for my next stop over at G-Migs. Thanks to them. We're making our conversations with Adam Emenecker possible all season long. We go from the MVC to the Big 12 and the Iowa State Cyclones after a monster win against another top 10 team. Win number seven over the last two years for Iowa State basketball. Bill Seals was there with CycloneReport.com, and he joins us here. Bill, as always, thanks for jumping on. Hey, appreciate you having me, Trent. Uh, you're a busy guy this morning, we, flying solo. We are, yeah. We're <laughs> juggling a few things here, making everything work out, but appreciate you giving us some time. I know a busy one for you as well. Uh, let's start with the environment. You know, I listened to the first half of the game as I was shoveling last night, so got to listen to John and Eric on the call of that one, and then watch it on TV. Got kids running around. What was the environment like, knowing, obviously, what we're all battling with with the snow here? What was it like in Hilton? Well, I'll tell you what, for the fans that were there, they certainly made an impact, and I, and, and that was one thing that, that Coach Otzelberger mentioned in his post-game press conference was just thanking the fans that did make it out to the game. And you know, there there were probably, I'd say, maybe, I don't know, one to 2,000 uh, no-shows, maybe just because of the weather. But I'll tell you what, uh, it was a, a lively environment. And I, I think certainly the, the fans that were in, in their seats uh, for tip-off last night, uh, played a big role in, in the, the team getting off to that 14 to nothing start and just really setting the tone early. Houston's first uh, first game at, on the road in a new conference in a hostile environment, and, and I think that was a, a huge thing. They definitely pressed them, made it very difficult. Two great defensive teams, and you saw, saw that in many moments. Uh, you know, the Montilovich, that will be the highlight that people remember. People remember that fadeaway jumper in the corner that uh, gave them the lead. But I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, I think Trey King, that little spurt when he hit the three-pointer, had another bucket in there, what he was doing defensively. Without Trey King, I don't think Iowa State wins that game last night. Well, certainly, he he kind of helped them stem the tide a little bit. I think in the second half, as as uh, Houston was getting back into the game, tied it on a couple of occasions, uh, uh, took a, a one point lead. But Trey King, seven point, seven of his nine points came in the second half, and and really, I, I think, kind of helped the team settle things down there a little bit. And and uh, you know, three of ten from the field, that's not going to be. You know, uh, a, a, a stat he probably looks back on, but I, the nine rebounds and, and uh, the presence defensively inside, he leads the team last night with three steals. So really getting it done on, on both sides of the floor. Talking with Bill Seals, CycloneReport.com, Iowa State with the victory again against a top 10 team. And now really, you know, it's been difficult to get a read on this team 
Yes, it was a home victory, and we know what Hilton can do, and, and certainly that was a big factor here. But if there were any concerns about this team just because we didn't know, were they all cured last night? I mean, did you see enough to say, all right, this team absolutely is going to be a tournament team. It's going to be a slog getting through the Big 12. But did the concerns dissipate after last night for you? Well, certainly this looks like a team that uh, is going to have a lot of success at home. Uh, we, we saw that. We saw that last night against uh, the last undefeated team in the country to that point. And, uh, you know, TJ was asked in uh, uh, one of his pressers ahead of the game if this was a team that looked like it could go, you know, 9-0, and 8-1 and in the conference. And I think based off of what we saw last night, that that could very well be the case. Uh, you know, obviously injuries withstanding to some key players. But if this team goes eight and one, nine and zero oh at home, it's most definitely a tournament team because I think it's one that can go on the road and and maybe steal two, three, four games. And with that, I mean, no matter even if it's eight, nine, ten wins, they're pretty much all going to be. Q1 victories, right? I mean, outside of the matchups against Oklahoma State and West Virginia, maybe Central Florida, these are all going to be incredibly quality. Even your road victories are going to be really good. So even getting a couple there, I think you're right, Bill. I think they're going to be in really good shape. We saw Keyshawn Gilbert play better than he did against Oklahoma. Still not great. He just feels like a guy like you can untap a little bit more. Do you see it the same way with Gilbert? And how do they get him going, certainly offensively, a little bit more? Well, he's really been struggling from the outside, uh, uh, and and I think that's one thing that that opponents are certainly adjusting to. They maybe sagging off of him a little bit, or not trying to on the catch try and get a hand in his face like when he he and Curtis Jones were both there for a, a few games. Were just they seemed like they couldn't miss from the outside. That's turned a little bit, so. Uh, he needs to find a little confidence, I think, there from the outside, and that'll open up more things. And, and until that happens, I think you, you just look uh, upon him to be that second ball handler, the, a guy that can can still, you know, keep the keep things together while Taman gets a break. Uh, granted, he only Taman was only on the bench for five minutes last night, but uh, they get thirty minutes out of out of Gilbert last night, and, and just keep plugging away and. Uh, certainly defensively he adds a lot as well as Iowa State uh, really matches up well now, I think, with opposing uh, teams in the Big 12 in their backcourts. You know, Hassan Ward, we talked about him in the preseason, and I'll be honest, I kind of I rolled my eyes when it, well, you're going to see a different Hassan Ward this year than he saw. Last year he just, frankly, wasn't very good. The guy that we've seen here, I know he's had more time on campus, he had the passport issue a year ago, and that maybe slowed down his development, but Compared to last year, you talk about a step forward. I can't remember a bigger leap from a guy from what we've seen from a year ago to this year's Hassan Ward. Well, he's really given him good minutes right now. He played about 14 and a half last night. And tell you what, uh, what he contributed in that time on the floor, four of four from the, in the field, uh, from the field at nine points, uh, grabbed a couple rebounds. And, and I really, really defensively what he adds as well is, is tremendous. You you look at him, and and then with Trey King getting the three steals, and you know we see what we get from Robert Jones. We see what Robert Jones provides on game night. So really, in the post, uh, you know, they're getting that what fifteen to twenty minutes out of Hassan since he came off of uh, being injured, and I think he's been very efficient, very productive in that time. 
Bill Seals, what do you got coming up this week at Cyclone Report? Obviously a whole lot more. The preview coming up with Oklahoma State on Saturday. 5 o'clock tip-off from Hilton for that one. What else is happening over at Cyclone Report? Well, it's it's uh, it, it, they're going to host uh, a few. Uh, the football staff's going to host uh, some visitors this weekend. Later this month, we'll, they'll kind of start getting into that junior day, uh, that that junior day mode where they they bring guys in the 2025 class in. But uh, right now, a few uh, 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 transfer portal uh, players are looking at right now. Uh, Jalen Travis, the the probably the headliner, I think, coming into town. Uh, this week in an offensive tackle. They already added Dylan Barrett over the last week. He's kind of an interior guy, but they want to add some competition at the tackle position, and uh, Travis is going to be one of those official visitors. He's a Minnesota native, uh, transferring in, in from uh, Princeton, an Ivy League guy, so uh, he'll be the one to uh, to watch, but uh, you know, continued transfer portal coverage, and, and as I mentioned at the end of the month, uh, junior day's coming up, so in addition to the uh, you know the usual in-season basketball coverage, we got you uh, covered on the football end of things too. And I know Trent, you you as well. Uh, we like to talk about the PFF mm-hmm. uh, grades for football, and I've been rolling those out uh, slow and steady here over the last couple weeks, working those uh, reports in from the 2023 season. I'll look forward to that and be reading it over at CycloneReport.com. Bill, as always, thanks for the time. Hey, appreciate you having me, Trent. Uh, have a have a good one. You too. That's Bill Seals joins us weekly here on Miller and Condon, breaking down everything happening in the world of Iowa State athletics. Time again for your chance to win a thousand dollars. It's our thousand. If you have a low interest rate on your property and a lower tolerance for tenants, then you have two choices. Sell it and say goodbye to a great investment or keep it. Hold on to that rate and let the professional landlords at Renner's Warehouse manage it for you. Why hire Renner's Warehouse? Because we free you to do the things you love, like take a vacation, have dinner with your family, or acquire more properties to achieve more financial independence. You already know that renting delivers cash flow, appreciation, and tax benefits. Renter's Warehouse also frees you from finding tenants, collecting rent, and handling those annoying 3 a.m. maintenance calls. The choice is yours. Sell your property, keep DIYing everything, or hire Renter's Warehouse to get the best of all worlds. You're free to cancel within 90 days and even get your management fees back. Go to Renter'sWarehouse.com today to book your free home rental price analysis or call 515-528- Forty-four. Tell them that Sean Roberts sent you. That music means it's time for Cappy. Let's get him in here right away. A busy one as the firings of the offensive snap were announced today in Chicago. The Bears looking for a new offensive coordinator, but not just that. A whole lot of new coaches over there, but Eberflus is back for another season. Cappy, I know it's a busy one. Thanks for covering out a few minutes for you. How are things in Chi-Town? Oh, my phone is blowing up even while I'm talking to you. Text after text. Cap, call me. Cap, call me. Yeah, it's, uh, that, it's the type of day that I got into this business for. Mm-hmm. I truly love days like this. We had to, you know, we start at 7, we go till 10. Next thing I know, all this news breaks. We're on, you know, we, I was... They're loving this for, I think it, it was six hours at the radio station today. It was awesome. We had, we expanded our show. Like, this is what I got in the business for. Do I agree with the decision? I do not. 
I don't understand, unless you're extending Matt Eberflus, he's got two years left. So what happens if next year, whether it's Justin or Caleb Williams or whoever, what if that doesn't go well? What if your team struggles and you go 8, 9, 7, and 10, whatever the number is, mm-hmm. and it's not good enough? And you're like, oh, boy, we got to fire this coach. Well, now you don't have the number one pick, and now you're going to bring another staff in here in a year? And if Eberflus isn't extended, what offensive guru is looking of all the jobs that he could get if he's that good? Oh, I'll take Chicago as opposed to going to brand-new opportunity in Washington, brand-new opportunity potentially in, in Las, Las Vegas or in um, the Los Angeles Chargers. There's a bunch of them, man. So I don't understand what they're doing. Didn't make a whole lot of sense on the surface. You're looking for a whole new offensive staff. And it's something that has been a continued conversation piece with this organization, not getting everything right at the same time with a new GM, and then it's a new coach, and then it's another new coach, and then it's a new quarterback. It just In order to make this work, we've seen it so many times in the NFL, you have to have those three main components aligned. Why can't the Bears figure this out? I don't understand. Now, I tried to be positive on my show today and said, okay, what if they truly believe in this Eberflus dude? And I don't, and many around there don't. But let's say that his bosses, obviously, they do. And then they they move on from Justin, and they draft whoever it is at number one, and they bring in a new offensive staff, and they get it right. And Caleb Williams is this year's, next year's version of what C.J. Stroud is this year. Okay, then good for them. If they like their head coach, God bless. But more likely is the rookie quarterback struggles to some degree. You're not good enough. You're not in the playoffs. And you go, all right, we got to move on. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, now you're going to hire in a new head coach and giving him a quarterback he had no input in drafting. It doesn't go well. It doesn't. It just It's confounding, but here we are once again. So Eberflus is back. However, Jim Harbaugh remains looking potentially at an NFL job. Has there been any conversation, even back-channeling happening with Harbaugh's agent and the Bears organization? And a two-parter there. Not only that, is there any bad blood with Kevin Warren going back to his days as the commissioner? Michigan not showing up for their game against Ohio State late in that 2020 season, any bad blood between Warren and Harbaugh? You know, we've heard that, but people I talked to up at Hallis said, we don't, that stuff doesn't get in the way here. Okay. No. Now, do I think there has been back-channel discussions? I, I truly don't. I mm. do not believe that Ryan Poles, Kevin Warren, I do not believe they were ever going down the road of Jim Harbaugh. Now, is he staying at Michigan? I don't know. My bet is he's ending up somewhere in the NFL. And if that's the case, then he's not coming here. He's probably with the Chargers, the Raiders, the Falcons. Those would probably be the three. I don't see him going to Tennessee. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty messed up situation for the Bears because unless they can thread the needle and go, hey, we're good to go with a new quarterback and we're good to go with a new offensive staff, and holy smokes, we win and win big next year, and we're in the playoffs, and make a little run. That's 
that's threading the needle to the ultimate degree. It's incredibly difficult. And, you know, I, I've talked about that th- this week. It's just there is not a more intriguing NFL storyline that I can remember recently with the Bears because it's very easy, I think, to argue all different sides of this equation. Keeping fields, trading fields, Caleb Williams, trading out of the number one. I mean, there's so many different directions that I just keep coming back to. Maybe it's just uh, beaten, beaten down as I have been throughout my 43 years as Bears fandom. They're going to get it wrong. I, and I'm going to guess you've taken those same kind of phone calls over there in Chicago. Well, I have. And a good friend of mine who played for the team called me yesterday. And he said, because my comment to him was, I cannot believe they're going to run this back with Eberflus Field. And he said, using my line on me, you're better than that. I said, what do you mean? He said, the correct verbiage is, I'm furious they're going to run it back, but I can believe it. He said, dude, I played there. It is the Bears. They are arguably top five worst run organizations Mm -hmm. in the National Football League. And that's my favorite team. That is not easy for me to say. Mm -hmm. But all you have to do is look at the records. They suck. Look at the records and the futility. Horrible. And every coach they hire is the same guy from Dave Wanstead, who's a dear friend of mine, Mm -hmm. super good guy, into uh, Dick Duran, into Lovey Smith, into Mark Tressman, into John Fox, into Matt Nagy, into Matt Vanilla Eberfus. Every guy is not like Mike Ditka. They are vanilla. They don't make the splashy, we're going out and getting a guy who's going to command the room, who is going to be, oh, my God, you must tune in to hear his press briefing. They're never hiring an Ozzie Guillen, a Lou Pinella, a Joe Madden. No shot. And they had a guy like that in Dicka for a decade plus, and he was worth the price of admission. I go back to Papa Bear. I mean, you had guys with personality, guys that that were being willing to be there, and Harbaugh is that guy. I, I just... It's it's incredibly frustrating because wherever Harbaugh goes, he has won. And to think that he wouldn't be able to do it in Chicago, I think he would. I think it would be the home run that they're needing, but it's not going to happen, right? What about Mike Vrabel? I would hire yes. Mike Vrabel. Yeah, absolutely. He's got personality. He's got conviction. He is a guy. He is a leader of men. You're right. You know, as you kind of laid that out, just a whole lot of vanilla ice cream over the last, what, six, seven coaches. Correct, because they don't understand trying to put someone in there and empowering them who will make people uncomfortable because you have a losing franchise. By every metric, they stink. There is no metric where you go, boy, that Bears thing, man, they're about winning. No. Now, do I think the roster is better? I do. But you're going to tell me that the Chicago Bears – are a model franchise in the NFL, and I'll tell you, you're full of you-know-what. Cap, we'll get you out on this. I know a busy day for you. The Cubs offseason continues as we hear crickets in the distance, even on this cold, wintry Wednesday day. Cappy, do you anticipate, I mean, are we on the precipice of any kind of moves from the Cubs? Well, you know, they made a move late last night. They did. Did I missed that one? I missed it. Shota Imanaga is a Cub. I did see that across Twitter, and you're exactly right. It was a late night. Fill me in on that one. 
Okay, so he was the second best pitcher and the third best player coming over from Japan. Mm-hmm. And they weren't going to get Otani, and they were never going to play at the deep end of $375 million with posting fee for uh, Yamamoto. But last week, you can do all the research, there were multiple analysts saying, no, the Cubs are not getting Imanaga. He's going probably to the Giants, the Red Sox. Are in, and yesterday, bam, there's the news from Jim Bowden and uh, Bob Nightingale. They are in. They have gotten Imanaga. He has a physical here in Chicago tomorrow, and then he'll be introduced at the Cubs convention on Friday. All right. So there's something. More? Yeah. And and I still think they're in there on Reese Hoskins, uh-huh. on Cody Bellinger. So and then they're going to have to add bullpen arms. So I do think they're making progress. That's good. That's exciting. Cap, we'll talk to you again next week. Ken will be back from his California sojourn. He's driving through the mountains right now, making his way back to Iowa. We'll have the full crew back together next week. I appreciate it. Keep the rig on the road, Kenny, and we'll see you soon. (laughs) All right, that's David Kaplan checking in, as he does each and every Wednesday here on Miller & Condon. Always love the conversation, talking everything going on in the world of Chicago sports. It's brought to you by Centurion Stone of Iowa, your place to go for both inside and outside of your home for manufactured stone, centurionstoneofiowa.com. We got one more segment. It's my picks of the day. We went 4-1 and one against the spread yesterday. We got four games coming up for you here tonight, including the Drake Bulldogs in their matchup against Indiana State. We'll see if we can stay hot when we continue. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Bloom call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. All right, a chance to catch our breath here. It has been an action-packed day, a little bit of everything. Bears, Hawks, Cyclones, NFL, college football, you name it, we had it here throughout the course of two hours. And we wrap things up as we always do. It's my picks of the day presented by Circa Sports. Circa Sports available to download right now here in the state of Iowa. Going to find the best odds you're going to find They don't do the promos. That's not what it's about. It's about creating your own promo. And ultimately, you become a winner with them. You're not going to pay a whole lot more in the futures market. The Circa, the way that they set it up, it works incredibly well. And, of course, that great resort that they have in Las Vegas. Can't wait till we get out there once again. So it was 4-1 yesterday. We got four games here this evening. We're going to kick things off early tip time in this one. From the Big East, as Providence goes out to St. John's. Don't look now, but Coach Patino, yeah, he's got the Johnnies going again. I'm going to lay it. Big number here, 7.5. I will lay it against a pretty good uh, Providence team. Game number two, Memphis. I love this team. And kind of that mid-tier of college basketball after you get through the top 8, 10, 12 teams. I think Memphis has got a chance here. Penny Hardaway's done a really good job. Too many tonight, though, against the Roadrunners. Give me UTSA plus 19.5 at Memphis. I mentioned it. Yes, it is a huge matchup for Drake as undefeated in the MVC Indiana State comes to town. I'm laying the point and a half. Give me the Bulldogs all game long. I think you're going to see a big bounce back from the Doggies this evening. Last pick, give me TCU. They had one taken away from them, I believe, against Kansas over the weekend. Back home against Oklahoma. Horn Frogs will lay the four. TCU, Drake, UTSA, and St. John's four pack of them for you here tonight. 
We'll be back with you tomorrow starting at 11 o'clock. Coming up next, it's Murph and Andy, followed by The Drive with Heather and Sean. And every single day starts anew in the morning with the Morning Rush. We'll talk to you tomorrow.